Our scripture reading this morning is Daniel 12, 1 through 4. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, every one whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the end of the time. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. This is God's word. Buckle up. Have you ever watched a, a movie or a TV series where they leave you hanging and then you see the words to be continued right when everything hangs in the balance? Uh, you're left wondering, what happened? The story can't end here. My favorite is The Empire Strikes Back. Luke, I am your father. <laughs> no! <laughs> this is what Daniel feels like in chapter 11. The rest of the story is the passage that Sally just read. And until you have that, you don't have the big picture. Now, in order to appreciate what's going on in this passage, I, I need to give you some background information. Some of it is review, some of it is new. So first, let's go back and look at how Daniel received this vision. The vision in chapters 11, and by the way, chapter 12, it's a package, were all delivered to him, but I'm not sure if you remember exactly how he got it. So from Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, it says, In those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I think he gave up dove bars and was, you know, just, that's what he says, he didn't eat any choice food. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Ufaz. So basically, how this all got started was Daniel was praying, and he prayed for three weeks. The prayer prompted a heavenly visitor who did two things. He prepared Daniel to receive the message, that's in chapter 10, and then he delivered a, what we'll call a book-based vision. This angel actually saw a book and said, let me tell you, Daniel, what is in that book? And that's actually chapter 11, 1 through 12, 4 is what he saw. Here's what happened next in chapter 10. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I've been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision pertains to days yet future. On day one of Daniel's prayer vigil, an angel messenger was dispatched. But the delivery of the vision, and he, he had the information from the book, he was going to bring it to Daniel. But for three weeks, he was thwarted by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, I don't know exactly who that is, it could be Satan. It could be one of his rulers or one of his minions. It was only through angelic intervention, Michael, that the delivery was facilitated. In other words, they were going at it, and then Michael showed up. And along with this angel who was delivering the message, they defeated this opposing angel, and the message was delivered. Now, I need you to understand something. The prince of Persia, whoever that is, and again, it could be Satan, it could be someone from his army, is not just trying to keep the information from Daniel. 
He's trying to keep the information from you. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The enemy of our souls wants us in the dark about what is in this vision, particularly what I'm going to share with you this morning. The angel said to Daniel, this is in verses 20 and 21, but I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. In other words, after I deliver this message to you, make sure you understand it and you know what you're supposed to do with it, which, by the way, is to record it so that you and I have access to it. I'm going to go back and fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth. Behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. In other words, in the writing of this book. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. The angel says, there's a book. It's called the writing of truth. And it includes content that answers to your prayers, Daniel. I'm going to unpack this information for you. And then I'm going to rejoin Michael who is fighting against spiritual forces to promote your good. You know, there's all kinds of ado right now. I've been, it's been entertaining to watch the files and the release of some, you know, X-files about UFOs. And some suspect maybe we are not alone. Duh, fact, we are not alone. <laughs> there is more going on here than just us. There are angels, and there is a devil, a Satan, and his horde. And that's what's going on behind the scenes. You don't see it. Now, some of these are for us, and some are against us. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, Hear this, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan is our adversary. By the way, the world is not. The world hates us. But they're not the enemy. Satan is the one who seeks our harm. Hebrews 13, or Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 tells us, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Reference to Jesus. Are they not all, referring to angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? We have an adversary but angels are ministering spirits who are our help. They are seeking to promote our good on God's behalf. Our adversary does not want us to receive this fourth message from Daniel. He sought to bring opposition to keep it, and he was succeeding until Michael joined this angel. He doesn't want us to receive the message. He doesn't want Daniel to receive it doesn't want Daniel to write it down, doesn't want Daniel to convey it so that you and I have access to it. He doesn't want us to understand it, and he definitely doesn't want us to act upon it. I am grateful angelic servants made sure that it got to Daniel, and they instructed him, and we'll talk about this next week, they gave him instructions about what he's supposed to do so that you and I will get it. You'll get a glimpse of that later this morning. So now here's the key question. Will you understand it and respond accordingly? The enemy doesn't want you to have this information, especially what I'm going to share with you this morning. He doesn't want you to understand it, and he definitely doesn't want you to respond accordingly. Now, there's an unfortunate chapter break 
between chapter 11 and chapter 12. Uh, you know, the, the numbers that we put in, you know, chapters and verses were assigned much later to this as an easy way to be able to go somewhere in the book, pre-computer. And this is one of those places where it's too bad there's a chapter break because chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, is the crowning part of this vision that was, we've worked our way through in chapter 11. In chapter 11, we were like Luke Skywalker saying, No! Chapter 12 is incredibly good news that you must understand in order to balance what you have learned. Yes, the Antichrist is going to be working a campaign of it's all about me. We talked about that. But God is going to be doing something at the same time. That's what we're going to look at this morning. The Antichrist's plan will do a lot of damage, but God's plan will prevail. And God is going to mobilize Michael once again and company to accomplish something that is truly breathtaking. Now, what I want you to do this morning is to understand a Scylla and Charybdis challenge. Uh, that phrase, uh, between Scylla and Charybdis, is used as an idiom to refer to between a rock and a hard place. Well, why didn't you just say that, Jim? Well, it's more fun to say Scylla and Charybdis. Uh, this is from Homer's Odyssey, and it's basically a section in which the travelers have to make a choice. We're going to go between Scylla and Charybdis. Scylla is a multi-headed monster, and Charybdis is a whirlpool. And if you get far enough away from the whirlpool to avoid that peril, you will be within reach of the dragon. But if you try and get farther away from the dragon, you will be in the whirlpool. You can't escape. You can't avoid the influence of one without falling prey to the other. And there is no third option. And that's, part, that's what's going on here. There is a choice that is in front of every person in this room. There's no third option. There's no third way. And regardless of which way you go, there is going to be cost. Now, those of you who have you know, read Homer, you know what choice they made. But it was costly. So let me help you understand kind of the cost dynamic a minute, and then maybe we'll be ready to jump into verses 1 through 4. First Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, or gay, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will never experience God's wrath. Jesus already did on the cross for you. But we do face the wrath of Satan. Revelation and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old. This is referring to something that is yet future, hasn't happened yet. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan. Just want to make sure everybody knows who we're talking about. Who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. This is something that Michael is going to do. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. He's an accuser of you. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And get this, they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, get this, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Our accuser and his minions will be evicted from heaven. 
and confined to earth. The dragon will pour out his wrath on the saints. He will lose, but he will go down fighting. And despite Satan's wrath, those in Christ will overcome him. Did you get it? Because they did not love their life even when faced with death. I love Jesus more than life itself. Which means when Satan takes on a person who says that, he loses. These overcomers, they will win because they refuse to allow fear of what Satan and his puppet, the Antichrist, they refuse to allow fear of what Satan and his puppet do to control their actions and their words. If you get nothing else, listen to this statement. I'll say it real slow. Because they fear God, they fear nothing else. Those who don't fear God will eventually realize their foolishness. Here's Revelation 6. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath is coming. Who is able to stand? For the earth dwellers who don't fear God, they will experience the wrath of the Lamb and the wrath of the Father. So everybody in this room faces a very simple choice. Now, simple doesn't mean it's not hard, but it is simple. Fear God, which means desire his pleasure, and fear nothing else, meaning fear no one else's displeasure. Let me state it a different way. Do whatever you do to please God alone, and you won't regret it. Fear anyone, anything else, and you will someday rue that decision. Jesus said, and do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. By the way, that's Satan and everybody else. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You must choose. Fear God or fear someone else. Only one fear is justified. And Daniel 12, 1 through 4, shows us which one. Daniel 11 is a reality check. We have seen, here's where history's going, and it won't be good. But now Daniel 12, verses 1 through 4, if you understand the cosmic conflict and what is going on, has some incredibly good news. Now I'm going to give you the summary of what it reveals for us. Basically, for those who will fear God and fear no one else, including whatever the enemy wants to throw at us, our adversary, here's what God says you can look forward to. Here's the really good news. And I, I tried to do this in a, as a good pastor where you do it with all the same letters and so they all have R's on them. God will rescue his distressed people. That's verse 1. Resurrection, God will awaken those who sleep to everlasting life. That's verse 2. God will use Sakhal saints, and we'll talk about what I just said, as sources of illumination. They will be radiant. And God will use history to authenticate what he has revealed. And when those four things are accomplished, you will say, following Jesus was so worth it. But until then, you've got to fix your eyes on this because the enemy is going to throw at you all manner of things that are designed to say, are you really sure you want to do this Jesus thing because of the consequences? Verse 1, chapter 12. 
Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will come a time of distress such as has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found in the book, will be rescued. Yeah, all the bad things you read about in chapter 11 are going to happen. There are 60 points of convergence between the prophecies that we've looked at and events from history. But then beginning in verse 36, what we saw is these are all things that are yet to happen and we will potentially walk through them. But in this passage, he's saying there is rescue. He says at that time, and again, there's no chapter break. This is talking about Verses 36 through 45 of chapter 11, he's saying, at that time when the Antichrist is doing all these things, Michael, the warrior angel who's been on the job for 2,500 plus years and is still active at the end, he's going to intervene. Revelation 12, 7 says, and there was war in heaven and Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon and he ends up getting thrown out. It says, Michael will arise. He's going to come to Israel's defense. There will be a time of distress such as has never occurred since there was a nation. That's in this verse. In other words, something is coming that is beyond the worst international conflict and survival challenge anyone has ever faced. Take the worst thing that you have ever dealt with. Multiply it by 100. And that's what's coming. He says, your people, that's a reference to Israel. And rescue is reserved for those who are written in the book. Now, God doesn't need a book to know who belongs to him. He knows those who are his. But apparently, he maintains one for our and the angel's benefit. And so, Michael is able to, you know as he arises to work as God's servant and rescue God's people, he's going, okay, let's see here, Fleming, Fleming, Jim, okay. Put your name in there. Now, this book is referred to elsewhere in the Old Testament. For example, Psalm 69, 28. Things are going to get really bad. According to Zechariah 13, about a third of Israel is going to escape. Two-thirds of them will not. They will die. Well, where's their rescue? Patience. Daniel tells us that the living, whose names are written in the book, will be rescued through the assistance of Michael. Revelation adds, in a passage we've already read, those who are written in the book will not worship the beast. But both Daniel and Revelation tell us, for those who don't, it will be a costly choice. It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Get that. All who are on the earth will worship him. One exception. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. You see the choice? Written in the book. I see who this guy is. Not written in the book. Yay, beast. Now here you would say at this point, Jim, he says your people. He's referring to Israel. What does this have to do with me? I'm so glad you asked. This is something that Paul tells us about in the book of Romans, and I can't get into the whole thing. Uh, you're going to have enough of uh, uh, backing up the dump truck with what we say this morning. But... Basically, what Paul explains for us 
in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 is this. When the Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah, God's kindness was extended to Gentiles. And we have been grafted into the tree of God's blessing. It's a way of saying the things that were promised to Israel, we will participate in blessings like those. In other words, as it relates to this particular issue, we will enjoy the benefit of God's promises to all those whose names are written in his book. If your name is written in his book, which it is if you've named Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The living, whose names are written in the book, will be rescued through angelic intervention. Both Israel and Gentiles, whose names are written in the book, will be rescued. This will be a Red Sea moment. Think of the Red Sea. Israel was with their back against the sea. Here's the, the chariots and the armies of Egypt coming for them. And they're saying, there is no way. And God says, yes, way. And Moses lifts up his staff. And they go through the water and are rescued. And the means of their rescue also became the means by which the enemies of God and of Israel died. The world is moving to a Red Sea moment. And all those who name the name of Jesus, both Jew and Gentile alike, it may prove costly. But when it looks like all is lost there will be a rescue and God's people will be saved. The living whose names are written in the book will be rescued through angelic assistance. This is you. Those who are written in the book will not worship the beast. This is you. For some, this will be a costly choice. This may be you, but it will be worth it. Because in verse 2, it says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Now, this is one of those places where if you're not a good student of Hebrew, you're going to get tripped up. And so I'm going to use a little bit of Hebrewese for you to just help you understand what's going on here. He says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground, and he uses the word rabim. And rabim is a word that is many, but it's a plural, many's, many, many's. It, It means all, but a very big all. All kinds of, that's many's, many, many's. It's actually used interchangeably with another word that is translated in the singular, all. Uh, For example, in Isaiah 2, verses 2 and 3. Now, this is Hebrew parallelism where we're going to have one phrase and then another phrase that both say the same thing. And what I want you to see is the way in which uh, Cal and Rabim are used interchangeably. Here's what it says. And all the nations will stream to it, and many peoples will come and say, come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord. It says, all the nations will stream to it, and many, manys of peoples. It's really saying, you know, all different kinds of people are coming. This is not a partial resurrection. <laughs> and Jesus agrees. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs, all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Everybody who has died will hear his voice. 
get believers, right? Yes, but unbelievers. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, which is a way of saying those who know Jesus as Savior and their life authenticates that, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. All who sleep will awake, but with two very different outcomes. Group two, those who worship the beast, the Antichrist, they will awaken to eternal disgrace and everlasting contempt. But group one, those who fear God alone will awaken to eternal life. Group one will be able to say, this is so worth it. Yes, chapter 11 is dark. But what we've seen so far is God says, if you're written in the book, if you know Jesus as your Savior and Messiah, you will be rescued. And if you have died, you will be resurrected. That sounds good. (laughs) Now, by the way, group one and two may not be resurrected at the exact same moment. There may be some time between there. It doesn't specify. But for group one, there will be absolutely no comparison between what was lost because of the Antichrist and what is gained Paul knows this. He says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. He says, I don't care what you're dealing with in life. It is momentary. It's just going to last for a little bit and then it's done. It's light by comparison because we are going to receive an eternal for all time weight of glory that is far beyond all comparison. There's nothing you can compare it to. It's so far ahead of that. If you will remain true to Christ, if you will fear God and fear nothing else, if your name is in the book, you will be resurrected to eternal life. And you will say along with Paul, (laughs) The momentary light affliction of my earthly existence doesn't even come close to what I've been given in him. He will swallow up death for all time. This is another verse from Isaiah that's describing what will happen in that moment. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears from all faces. And he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Rescue for the living, resurrection for those who sleep, that's everybody. And the resurrection for those who do not worship the beast, for those whose name is in the book, for those who fear God and fear nothing else, their resurrection is to eternal life. But wait, there's more. And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The word insight is the word sakal that we've talked about last week. Basically, this is a word that refers to biblically informed convictions that fuel a life in which you say, I'm not budging here. You can do what you want, but I'm not budging because this is grounded in what the word says. So he's saying there will be some people in this time who have biblically informed convictions. They take God at his word. There will also be those who lead many to righteousness. This denotes those who are proactive in their efforts to help others surrender to God. And they live in a way that's pleasing to him. They actually view their role during this season as I'm on a rescue mission. (laughs) Do you realize that's why we're here? Daniel actually did this. 
Here's Nebuchadnezzar. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me. This is when he was doing Operation Cow. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. When Daniel was stripped away from his family as a young man and taken to Babylon, this guy said, if you don't eat my food and thereby pledge your, un, uh, un, uh, pledge your allegiance to me 100%, you're going to get killed. This is the same guy who said, if you don't bow down to my statue of glorious me, you're going in the furnace. And Daniel did not go, I am done with this guy. God's going to judge you, and I can't wait. He continued to minister to this guy to such a point that these words that we just read are the words of a man who I think we're going to meet in heaven. Because Daniel said, I'm in Babylon on mission. Daniel 6, I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. <laughs> this is the guy who threw him in the lion's den. I won't be surprised if we meet Darius in heaven as well because of the ministry of Daniel. Daniel understood what it means to be a man of sakal, biblically informed convictions, and a light bearer to the people around him. In the coming time of distress, what God says is some will live from biblically informed convictions and will guide others to live in a way that pleases God. And those who do this will become like heavenly bodies that never dim for all eternity. They're going to be eternal lights. And we lost electricity at our house this week as part of that oppositional things we've been dealing with that relate to getting this message to you, but... The electricity, I shouldn't say the electricity, our electricity went out and our power did not go out because our power is in the Lord. Our power will not go out for eternity. What I think is so interesting is Jesus actually quotes this verse in one of his parables. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man and the field is the world, and as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. By the way, he's describing what's going on right now. There's wheat, and there are tares. The wheat is the good grain that is the product of the gospel. The bad grain is everyone who drinks the Kool-Aid of this world. And the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels, like Michael and company. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks, and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now get this. This is Jesus, but he's quoting Daniel. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He whose ears let him hear. Satan may seek to snuff out those who defy him, but those who are the real deal, because they don't fear him, they fear God, they will be clothed in glory forever. That's your future. One more. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. When he says seal up the book, he's not saying lock it away and you're safe. 
he's saying basically finalize and fix it. It's kind of like if you're writing a book, and I had this experience, write a book, eventually you send the finalized draft to the publisher. And that's what's going on here. It is fixed. We're not going to change this. I have written down exactly what I've been told. Got it. This is not about hide it. This is about saying this is what you need to pay attention to. And then it says it won't be fulfilled. It won't be complete until the end. Many, there's our word rabim, many, many's, all kinds of people will be on the move, going here and there. But understanding of this message will ramp up among those who pay attention to this book as historical events confirm what is happening. In previous sermons, I showed you from the early parts of chapter 11, uh, verse 1 through verse 35, here are 60 specific points where there is, yup, that's what was predicted, that happened. Whoa, that happened. Exactly, happened. What it's doing is it's saying, oh, wow. This is reliable. And you will see, if the Lord comes soon, I don't know what his timetable is, but you will see chapter 36 uh, chapter 11, verses 36 through 45, you will also see those things. God is giving you precise, authenticated, advanced information about the wise way to live. It has been proven reliable. And the further we go in history, the more you're able to say, he was so right on in what he said about what has happened in the past. Pay attention to what he's saying in the future. Here's your key takeaway. I'll say it once again. I said it a while back. Fear God, desire his pleasure, and fear nothing else. Fear no one else's displeasure. Do whatever you do to please God alone, and you won't regret it. Do so in the knowledge that it will be incredibly, unbelievably, mind-bogglingly worth it. God will rescue his distressed people. God will awaken his people who sleep to everlasting life. God will clothe his truth brokers in luminous glory that will never fade. God will prove his plan is trustworthy. Well, okay, Jim, how do I apply this? You know, how, how can I grow my ability to fear God and fear no one else? Great question. One of the things you could do would be pray for someone who is making your life miserable. Forgive him and seek with God's help to rescue him because that's where, why we're here. So I thought it would be uh, great for me to bring someone up who's going to help you understand this passage. This passage says, love your enemies, do good, land expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. In this season where we fear God alone, we're here on a rescue mission. And because of that, we seek to represent Jesus well, even to those who despise us, even to the Nebuchadnezzars and the Dariuses. Well, I'm going to ask uh, Patricia Newman to come on up, and she's going to tell you a story that goes with this. So thank you very much for coming and sharing with us. So uh, Patricia has... Am I getting your name right, Patricia? Yes. Okay. Uh, has... An interesting story about something that relates to what we've just been talking about. So you were in a former job. We won't get into the where and when of it, but you were in a former job that was somewhat challenging. Tell us a little bit about the, the job situation. So I have been working in a scientific field for the last 10 years, and uh, in one moment during these years, I uh, had a situation where uh, my boss just lost the control, and he started to say such bad things in front of everybody in, in the work and with me specifically and 
In that moment, I already had decided that I would never respond him in the same level because I saw other situations similar before. So in that moment, I just had to concentrate and think, Patricia, you will not do the same. So I was just blinking my eyes and looking <laughs> at him and listening what he was saying in that moment. Um, so I just... So how, how long was this uh, process? Because basically what you were dealing with was a, an, an abusive individual, uh, verbal abuse. Uh, how long did this go on? Yeah, in that place I worked for uh, more than a year that I have been watching that situation with other people and the most of people were coming and go in a short time. Nobody was there for so long. I was the one in the longest now, working there. Now you could have decided, I'm done with this and walked. Yes, but you I thought about that several times. Yeah, but you didn't, why, why not? I didn't, first because I realized that God put me there. So I had, I was hired to do an, a specific experiment for a project and I didn't have finish yet. So I didn't want to leave the work without finish what I had to finish for the project. Once I was the only Christian there, we had all kind of religions around and I didn't want to be the one that he could say, oh, I paid you for this and you didn't, you wasted my money. So I didn't want to be the Christian, listen that, okay, God gave me the work, I didn't do the work, I just failure and he can just say this to everybody. So I will finish this work and I will leave, but not before finish what I have to finish. So in that moment, I just, that was one of the situations because we had other uh, small things happening before, but that was the main. So I just brought to my mind that uh, Philippians 2, 3, 4, that you have to consider others superior to yourself. God is your boss, he is not your boss. Uh, so you are not working for him, you are working for God. You have to do the job right, not because of him, but because of God. So yes, the desire was to run away, but it was for God. So I had to finish that uh, part of the project. So, so, you, so you sought to do him good. Did you pray for him or? Yes, so in that moment I start to pray hard that God could help me to finish that part of the project that is not easy, except if God really wants to give me the results. And I had to pray hard for him because uh, I was the Christian there. He wasn't. He was atheist. How I could expect anything different from him? So uh, after three months, I got all results that I had and I gave to him. And when I gave the results, he asked me for forgiveness. He said that he never had anybody working with him that never said anything bad about him to the entire uh, institution. And I would never say anything bad about him. It wasn't my, my way to work. And he asked me for, uh, to keep working with him and I said that I couldn't. I had to leave. But I was praying for him and I was praying for the work, for the project that he could have all uh, papers coming and he said thank you to pray for me hmm. and also a technician that saw all situation there she came to me asking how i could be so strong and i said no i'm not strong <laughs> i'm like you i want to run away <laughs> but i i i could i had the opportunity to talk to her about god and I gave her a book of Psalm where she could meditate about uh, how God can help her during difficult times. And she said that she was interested to know more about my church. Uh, and also, I, I had to leave, but I didn't know if I which kind of job I was going to do. And I applied for other jobs, but I didn't uh, have any answer. But one week before, exactly seven days before the last day of the work, I received a message from another institution offering me a job in a higher position. 
that I could never imagine, uh, considering everything that was happening. So that was the, the gift. Kind of God's confirmation, uh, blessing. Yes. for having done right to someone who was not doing right by you. I have one other question, which is, so where did you learn this? Or, you know, how did you... Decided was this to. just something that dawned on you, or was this something that was a... No. Uh, um, where did it come from? Yeah, so two things came to my mind during this process. Uh, first, when I was a little kid, my mom used to sing a song that is... Uh, in Portuguese, it's a coisas meu bem que são nosso dever. A gente não gosta, mas tem que fazer. Translating is some things, darling, is our homework. You don't like, but you have to do. <laughs> so <laughs> when I didn't want to wash the dishes, she said, "Okay, let's sing the song." <laughs> and that song makes sense for everything. So I didn't have the choice to run away and leave my job without finish. It was my right but it wasn't my choice. I had to finish my homework. So the other thing, my dad is a pastor. He was, it was a pastor for 34 years. And several times he told me, you never leave uh, the place without solve the problem. And obvious, he had a lot of problems in the church. So he never uh, left the church to another church before solve everything in living peace. So I had to finish that project to live in peace. And during my life as a scientist, very beginning, I saw how challenging was the, that place, and I decided to do the training, the biblical counseling, uh, not to be a counselor, but to learn how to handle with that stuff. And I learned that, like Paul, I wasn't here to serve myself, I was here to serve others. It should be much better for me to be in a heaven, <laughs> but I was here to serve others. So I had to consider others superior to myself and learn how to put the Bible in, in a practical way in my life. And thanks God that he hold me from myself and gave me the chance to see the, the results of that action. Thank you, Patricia, so much for sharing with us. Thank you, God. Yeah. I also want to thank you for representing Jesus well in a place where he's not well thought of. So thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you, and keep praying for me. Okay, you got it. All right. I want you to listen to this verse. Men and women of God died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they are strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are aliens. We don't belong here. But we're on a rescue mission. And when our work is done, we will either be rescued or resurrected and taken to our true home. We are not ashamed of God, and he is not ashamed of us. This is the Jesus way. This is the way home.